Okay, well, um, I think everybody here knows I'm not Bob. Uh, I'm Ricky. Bob and Gene are on vacation. And uh, I was already scheduled to sing, so you guys are going to get really sick of me today. So we've been talking about being God's masterpiece. Um, and last week we talked about being recreated and what that, what that means in the life of a believer and how there are, there are stages in the life of a believer where we, we fall, um, we accept Christ and we're recreated. Um, we move on from there, but then we find ourselves back in that, okay, well, we fell again and now we need to be recreated again and fell again and then re-recreated again. Um, and we get stuck in this image of, of being sinners, that, that sinners saved by grace, um, which is absolutely true, but we get stuck there in a, in a way that almost gives us license and excuse to keep on living in that sinner saved by grace space. Um, so we're going to expound on that today, and we're going to talk a little bit about um, how we perceive our lives when we're stuck in that in that place and the the big question today is uh, have any of you ever felt like you were being punished by God anybody anybody ever felt like yep I have really messed up and everything that happened from the time I messed up until right now has just been one big punishment um, we're going to talk about that today. Um, you guys know my wife, Christy, the uh, really hot chick that comes up here during worship. And um, she has, um, she's, we were talking about this last night, and I really wanted a, I wanted someone with a life experience that, that would really make this hit home. And while we were sitting on the couch talking about it, Christy said, well, I'll share. Um, this is a very brave thing she's doing, sharing her testimony, um, some of which really no one has heard and probably no one in this room has heard. Um, but she agreed to do that today, so I'm going to welcome her up. Let's give her a hand. And you'll need a mic. Hi, honey. Hi. <laughs> okay, so this is my wife, Christy. Hi. <laughs> um, and we're going to talk about a time that you lived through where you felt like God was punishing you. Right. So you, you kind of grew up in the church. Mm -hmm. um, tell us how you grew up there. So I was raised Lutheran, which I always kind of call the Catholic's redheaded stepchild because it's very similar to me, and I'm sorry if anybody's offended by that, but um, it's just all about religion and not a lot of relationship. So there were a lot of rituals and a lot of, um, yeah, just singing certain songs and certain this and certain that and not, not a lot of learning about Jesus as my friend and Savior and who he really was as a person in my life. Um, 
that so I could really get to know. So you knew you knew of God. Of God. But you were I not, did not know God. what you would call a believer. I would not say I was a believer. Okay. No. And uh, nine or ten years ago, you got married. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, so I married somebody I knew from high school, and uh, we got married kind of quick, uh, really kind of quick, um, and things seemed fine at the beginning. And then we, after we were married, things kind of started going downhill pretty quickly. Um, he was, um, he was very abusive, emotionally and physically. Um, and of course, before we got married, none of that was evident, um, and it just kept progressing. Um, there was also substance abuse that was being hidden, um, and. The emotional abuse was probably worse, <laughs> the worst of it all. And then about five months into it or so, we got pregnant um, with our son. Um, and the abuse didn't stop during the pregnancy, um, the physical abuse or the emotional abuse. None of it stopped. Um, and I knew I should have left. You know, I, I know he's abusive like I wasn't raised in a home where I believe that was okay and so I knew I should have left and I felt guilty about that I had Tristan so I knew I should have been protecting him and um, I should have been protecting the baby and but I didn't leave it was just I couldn't do it um, I struggled with an eating I had struggled with an eating disorder my whole life and during the pregnancy I struggled with it as well and I knew that wasn't healthy but it was the only thing I could control so I also was not eating during my pregnancy, and so I wasn't gaining weight like I should. Um, and so our son, Rylan, came early. He came 11 weeks early. Um, he came two days before my husband, um, my ex-husband went to Iraq. Um, and he was in the hospital for a long time. He had a lot of health problems, um, obviously, like he was very early. Um, but he did end up coming out of the hospital, and uh, he was healthy and given a healthy diagnosis and everything like that. But um, I still, you know, didn't leave the situation. Um, so while you were pregnant and the physical abuse was going on and um, you, you struggled with a lot of thoughts and things that you... Yeah. Struggled with. So, um, there was a point in the pregnancy because of the abuse and the guilt and everything. I, so I wasn't raised like this and I knew it was wrong, um, but I considered getting an abortion because I didn't want to bring a baby into an abusive relationship. Um, to me, that seemed easier than leaving. That's how bad, like, the abuse was and how stuck I felt and how just guilty I felt for even getting married. And, and in the Lutheran church, you don't get divorced. So it was just, it was just a very, I just had a lot of guilt. And uh, I actually talked to my mom about it, and I talked to my doctor about it, and I even made an appointment. Um, and this, I'm not talking, like, this is in the second trimester. This isn't just, like, a little thing. Like, this would have been a really heartbreaking thing. Um, 
and I know in my like I knew in my heart and in my soul and like everything in me knew that that was the the wrong thing and it wouldn't be right in any situation for me um but I still made that appointment because I did not want to bring him into that situation I didn't want to have anything to do with my ex-husband um you know like I did just I just didn't want to bring him into that and I felt like that was my only way out so you decided against that and went ahead and carried the baby. And I did, yeah. And then the baby's born, mm-hmm. has some medical problems, right. but then gets discharged from the hospital. Right. How old was he when he got discharged? Um, he was uh, almost four months when he came out of the hospital, and he was healthy. Um, and and at this time, your your ex-husband was still in Iraq. Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and tell us what happened after that. Um. So two days before my ex-husband was due to come back from Iraq on leave, um, June 27th, 2009, um, my son passed away of SIDS um, at six months old. Um, And I felt like it was God punishing me for wanting to make that decision when I was pregnant, or even just wanting to. Um, and for not leaving when I should have protected my children, um, not getting out of a situation that I knew was wrong. And that morning, like I was the one that found him. My parents had Tristan overnight for a weekend or something, just in the same town, but I was the one that found him. Um, And when I woke up, I had noticed I slept in, and right away I knew. And when I found him, all the what ifs, you know, the what if I hadn't, what if I hadn't have wanted that? What if I had been better? What if I had left? All All the what ifs, it's just so much guilt. And I just knew that's what I deserved. I deserved this. I deserved to lose my son because I, this is what I had wanted, right? That's what I had wanted. So God was just punishing me for that. So you, you definitely felt that punishment or that feeling of punishment. And, and oh, yeah. When the pastor even came, like, because my parents had called the Lutheran pastor into our home, and he had said, well, God is here with us. And I said, he sure as hell wasn't here this morning. So I, I just felt very very punished and very deserving of that punishment. Well, we're going to talk about that today, and uh, we'll have Christy back up towards the end, but thank you, honey, very much. (laughs) Um, I I just want to give my wife kudos for that because... You know, a lot of times we we talk about giving our testimony and our testimony is, um, well, you know, I was a sinner and then I met Jesus and I accepted him as my savior and and now everything's awesome and and all that stuff. But a lot of us have testimonies that go back further than that. We have testimonies of of heartache and heartbreak and, and just awful, awful things that happen. And some were of our own making, some we had no control over, but all of those things are part of who we are. Um, so I, I really want to thank her for, for doing that, because that, 
that kind of testimony is tough to give. Um, for this for this series, uh, our verse has been Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So some of the questions that I have, so how, how can we possibly feel that we are God's masterpiece when we, when we still struggle with our past? Our past never leaves us. I mean, God will take our past and, you know, he'll, it, it, like there was a, it says in Psalms, and there was a song about it too, is as far as the east is from the west is, is how far he separates us from our transgressions. But the past is, is always there with us, and for good reason, because it makes us who we are. But there are a lot of scars that we carry from the past as well. And with that kind of, I want to say baggage, um, how can we feel like God's masterpiece? That's a really hard verse to, to wrap your head around, um, especially thinking about you know, past things like that. Um, we all suffer the consequences of our past as well. It's not like the consequences are ever wiped away when we do something. Um, there are natural consequences that happen whenever we sin, whenever we make bad choices. And although God forgives us of those sins, those natural consequences are still there. We still have to live through those. We have so many things that remind us of all those past mistakes and sins and the bad choices we made and and all those things that remind us, I mean, they come up every once in a while. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, it's the, it's the devil that does it. It's the enemy that brings those things up. Occasionally, you'll think of something to help someone as you're talking to them. But when you're by yourself and you're either contemplating a choice or you're trying to get through the day and those things just keep coming up like, well, what about when you did this? And what about when you did that? Those are accusations. Those are condemnations. Those don't come from God. Those don't come from the Holy Spirit. That's the enemy bringing those things back up to weaken you. But still, how do we feel like a, mas a masterpiece when, we're, when we have all that baggage with us? Um, one thing I'll tell you, to in answer to you know, the, the God punishing thing, God doesn't punish us. That's, that's not what happens. Uh, we'll, we'll look at that here in a minute. But I think one of the reasons, and the reason I wanted to relate it back to last week's message and getting stuck in that sinner saved by grace space, is there are times when we get stuck in that space and we're just reminded, you know what, I'm, I'm just a sinner. That's all I am. I'm just a sinner. That we don't, feel deserving of that forgiveness. We feel like we should be punished. Um, have you ever done something wrong and, and punished yourself way more than anybody else would? You know, I, I was a little kid and my dad, for Christmas, my dad gave me a BB gun. And we lived out on a farm and, you know, I used to go around trying to shoot birds, never got any, so don't worry about the poor birds. But, uh, so I never got any birds, so one day I decided that I would find something else to shoot at. And we had this big hay barn, and all through the hay barn were these uh, big 100-watt bulbs. 
so that when we were hauling hay in the middle of the night, we could switch those on and, and see. And uh, I aimed at one, and I shot it. And you know what a light bulb does whenever it gets busted. It goes, you know, you got that really cool sound. I was like, oh, there are four more of these bad boys. And then, you know, half an hour later, there were no lights left in the hay barn. And the light out on the pole was also a victim of, of Ricky and his BB gun. Um, I threw my BB gun in the, in the garbage and was just so afraid. You know that, that whole thing about just wait till your father gets home. Well, my mom didn't even know I did it. She had no clue. But all that was going through my head was wait till dad gets home. So I threw my gun away. I'm sitting there crying because I just threw my, my Christmas present away. My dad comes home and uh, he asks me what's wrong and I tell him. And he just starts laughing. He's laughing and laughing and he said, well, obviously you know that that was the wrong thing to do. Um, he said, we're going to have to replace all those bulbs and, and they're broken so it's going to be hard to get them out. And he said, but you're going to do every one of them. And this is like 20 feet off the ground and I'm a little kid. So I'm like, Okay, but that punishment wasn't nearly as bad as what I felt like I deserved. Um, so, you know, there are times we do stuff and we're just like, no, God, you can't forgive me for that. I'm holding on to that one. I'm not going to use the blood of Jesus to, to get that one forgiven because it's just too bad. So a lot of times we hold on to that and we think, okay, the next thing that happens to me is punishment from God for this because I know I need to be punished. Yeah, bring it on, bring it on. Let's just go ahead and get this over with. So let's, let's go back to, and, and we have, <laughs> poor Emily in the back, um, we have slides for all this stuff, uh, but when I was doing all this, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to use that, I want to use this story and, and things like that, and so I'm just going to paraphrase all this, and I'll just do it. In. So she's got slides that she's sitting there trying to follow me <laughs> on, um, so bless her heart, it's going to be a wild ride here. Um, so the original sin, um, the tree of life that was in the Garden of Eden, um, God put it there, but he told Adam and Eve not to eat from it. Um, so, um, no, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, sorry. So there was a tree that he put there, and it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and it, um, it, it talks about in Genesis how he said, don't eat of it. And how Eve looked at it and saw that the fruit was good. And then she took a bite and she gave Adam some. And that was the original sin, was this disobedience in this fall. So, and, and I know some of the guys out there are going, see, Eve, Eve. Um, I'm sorry, guys. Adam knew what the fruit looked like, too. He knew what he was eating when he bit into it. Um, so we can't, we can't blame Eve for that one. Um, so after they ate this, they realized that they were naked. Now, they were naked before this, but they now realized it because they had this, this knowledge. And so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves up. And one of the funniest parts in the Bible to me, absolutely hilarious, is it talks about God walking through the garden in the cool of the evening, and Adam and Eve were hiding from him. This is God. Yeah, we're going to hide. He made everything, most likely can see through everything. I mean, he's God. So we're going to hide from him. 
And God calls out to him and says, where are you? And Adam says, well, I was afraid because we were naked, so we hid. Who told you you were naked? And then the whole thing, we, we know what happens after that. Um, but we get this mentality of God sometimes that his punishment is swift. Like, okay, God's just like that. It's, it's done. So you would think that, okay, Adam and Eve sinned, did the one thing that God told them not to do. And you think, okay, we're going to just scratch this and start over again. But no, what did he do? Instead of punishment, God covered their shame himself. He made clothes out of animal skins and covered them. So when you think about that, this was the first animal sacrifice ever. This was the first shedding of blood to cover sin ever. And it wasn't a punishment for them. It was a covering for them. It was something that was a loving thing from a father to his children, was covering, covering over their shame. Now, one of the consequences of eating the fruit was, um, it, it was, you will surely die. That's the actual, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. And again, we think, okay, eat of the tree, you, you, you know, it's like a, like some kind of Greek play that you're watching. They eat of the tree and then they fall over dead. But that's not what God meant with those words. God meant for us to live with him forever. God meant for us to live this, this uncorrupt life with him. And he knew that when that obedience came, it was going to cause corruption and sin to come into the world. And eventually Adam and Eve did die. That's not, that wasn't the original plan. That's not how, they, how God made them. But you know, eventually they did die. He did banish them from the garden. Um, and one of the reasons he banished them from the garden was so that they couldn't eat of the tree of life after eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil because then they would live forever as long as they could eat from that tree. So he didn't want that to happen. They had consequences that they had to live out. But this was a, a father covering his children's shame. And um, I'm not going to tell you which one of my kids because you might meet him one day. And, and uh, if, if any of you are like me, you'd probably make fun of him. But so um, I did uh, kids church back in Oregon for several years. And we had a kids camp every year. Well, one of my boys had an issue with bedwetting well beyond what was considered the norm. Um, I think he was about eight. And he really wanted to go to kids camp. He had never been before because he was just so self-conscious about wetting the bed in front of everybody. So this year, I told him, I said, I'll go with you and we'll, we'll handle this together. <coughs> Excuse me. So he had on, he had the, you know, the pull-ups and stuff like that that he wore at night. And he was so afraid that somebody was going to see him in those. It was just a, I mean, it was a horrible thing for him. That, oh my gosh, somebody's going to see me and they're going to make fun of me. So what we would do is I would wait until all the boys in our cabin, and I was the cabin leader, so I told them when they had to go to bed. But I would wait for all of them to take their showers and all that stuff and get in bed. And then Zachary and I would go take our showers and get ready for bed. And he'd put on his pull-up and he'd put on his, his pajamas and everything. He'd get in bed. 
And then the next morning, I would wake him up about half an hour before everyone else woke up, and we'd go in, and we'd shower, and we'd change, and we'd have clothes on. Made it through the whole week. Well, that's the kind of stuff that you do when you have a loved one who has you know, some, some issues that they don't want the world to know about. You cover that. And, and that's what God was doing here. It was a very loving thing that he did. And when we look at... When we look at what God did in the New Testament, it's, it's kind of the same thing. So the original plan, and I'm not saying God didn't know what was going to happen. I'm just saying that God created us to live with him forever. Um, but with the sin that Adam and Eve committed, we entered into this world that was corrupt and sinful and where we could not live forever with God. We were separated from him by that sin. But here comes the New Testament. Here comes the new covenant. Here comes the new promise. Here comes the masterpiece. So Jesus was born, lived a sinless life, was the perfect spotless lamb of God to be sacrificed for our sins for all time. Past, present, future, all time. His blood was shed to cover over sins, but because of who he was and because of how he lived, his blood was perfect blood. If you look through the Old Testament, you saw the animal sacrifices over and over and over again because animal sacrifices were just a type and shadow of what was required for sins to be covered for all time, to be washed away. So then we have Jesus and I've got a few verses I'm going to read. And Emily, you're doing an awesome job. Um, so Romans 5.12 says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. So when sin entered the world, it, just, it didn't just affect Adam and Eve. It affected everyone. Um, has anyone in here ever broken one of the Ten Commandments? Please raise your hand if you've ever broken one of the Ten Commandments. I'll raise this, this, all this. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to point anybody out, but anybody who hasn't raised their hand, thou shalt not lie. You just, you just broke a commandment. So, so sin is like a cancer. It, it affects everything it touches. So I, there are generational sins that happen as well, and, and I'm not saying that people are born with, with a certain sin or anything else, but when you live in an environment that's close to other people, you're going to take on some of the characteristics that they have, whether that be, hey, you know what? My family went to church every single Sunday, so all growing up, I went to church every single Sunday. That's not me. That's someone else saying that that happened. So you, you get those things both good and bad. You know, um, someone might say, well, my dad was an alcoholic, so I'm an alcoholic. There are things that we catch from other people. Um, and, and that's how sin spreads throughout the world. So it's like a cancer. Um, just like Adam and Eve, when we sin, God doesn't zap us. We don't get the, the fire and brimstone, and it's not like Zeus with the lightning bolt, and okay, you screwed up, so you're dead. That doesn't happen. That's not how those things work. Um, as a matter of fact, 
and I, I, I hate to pull out so many things, but my wife actually sent me a verse this morning because we were thinking about this. Um, one of the verses she sent to me, and this is, it goes along perfectly with this. This is Lamentations 3, 31 through 33. And no, it's not on any slides back there. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. There are things that happen in our lives because of corruption and because of sin. There are things that happen as a natural consequence to either our choices or someone else's choices. Those things are not a punishment from God. Those things are things that happen because we live in a fallen world. It's not something where, you know, okay, well, I, I screwed up and I yelled at my kid yesterday, so today um, I'm going to get the flu. I, those, that's not how those things happen. In Isaiah 11.10, or I'm sorry, 51.10, it says, I am overwhelmed with, with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. Romans 5, 6, and 8 says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And that's talking about Jesus. So if you think about we are before we know Christ we're sinful creatures. We are just sinners. If you, you know, the amazing grace saved a wretch like me. We're all wretches. Before we know Christ, we are all wretches. And I know that, um, I know Russ has an issue with that, you know, saved a wretch like me because it kind of keeps us in that, well, I'm a wretch and I'm saved. But that, that's not, if you think about that in the past tense, he saved a wretch like me. I was a wretch. I'm not a wretch anymore. I was a wretch. He didn't leave me there. That's not what God does. When we come to know Christ, God actually does the same thing he did back in the garden with the animal skins, but he covers us and clothes us with righteousness that comes from Jesus. So when we are praying, when we are coming to God, when God looks at us, he doesn't see the filthy rags. He doesn't see the wretch. He doesn't see the, the sinful nature. What he sees is what Jesus did. What he sees is us clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Christ. Jesus took our place. The debt has been paid. We don't sit here with a negative account balance. It's been paid. And it's been paid for all time. So if you're a Christian and you happen to sin, as all Christians still do, that doesn't put a negative mark in your account. Not that that gives you a license to sin, but that should give you a license to shout. Because that sin doesn't have a hold on you. You can walk away from it. It doesn't have to be something that keeps you in that place.
God's not punishing us. And, and let me give you a little perspective on, on what, what it looks like when some of these things happen in our lives. Um, there are things that happen that, are, that happen to us that are bad. And some of these things, I mean, it, it's just because of the world we live in. But there's a story about a little boy who had um, a toy boat, and he put it out in the water. And after a little while, the waves took it out far beyond where he could reach. And he was sitting there crying, and this old man came up, and he said, what are you crying about? And he said, my boat's way out there, and I can't get to it. So this old man, he leans down, he picks up some rocks, and he starts chucking them at the boat. And the little kid's like, what are you doing? And he keeps chucking them. But he chucks them just over, just over the boat. And every time he does, it makes a ripple that pulls the boat back closer to shore. Keeps throwing those rocks, and eventually the boat comes back, and the kid's got it, and he's really, really happy. Now, some of us look at those rocks and they go, oh my gosh, God is punishing me. He's throwing this stuff at me. What's going to happen? But it's not God's punishment. Those rocks are ways that God pushes you or pulls you back to him. Those bad things that happen can lead you in one direction or another. You either walk away from God or you walk towards God. If you walk away from God, then yeah, those things are going to look like slings and arrows and rocks and all that kind of stuff. But what Jesus did for us changes our perspective of those things. And we see that even in the worst, God is a loving father drawing us back to him. I'm going to bring Christy back up. Because every story that starts out with, I was this, and then I met Jesus, always ends up, with a happy ending, and we want to definitely hear that part. Hi, hon. Hi. So, we heard about all the, the, the rough stuff and the, and the heartbreak and, and all that. Um, how did those things affect you? How did they change your life? How did you get from there to here? Um, well, losing my son obviously was the hardest thing I've ever been through, and I knew I couldn't do it alone. Um, I tried seeing, I mean, I did go see therapists and things like that because grief is just so overwhelming in that situation, but, um, I knew I needed more, and so I started searching. So, um, I went to a different kind of church. <laughs> That was not Lutheran. It was something very similar to this, where I was welcomed with open arms, and um, it was actually during worship that I was saved and fell on my knees and raised my arms, and um, I don't want to say that, you know, God took my son so that I would meet him because that's not, you know, what it was. But I really believe God uses everything together for our good. And I think God used this as a stone to push me closer to him because losing my son um, really was what pushed me to Jesus because I just, I, I, needed, I needed him. I couldn't do it by myself. And um, in finding Jesus in that relationship learning that I am loved and I am whole and I am worthy um, 
I was able to heal from the abusive relationship and um, and know that those thoughts about what I had before, that was not, that was something because I had been so beaten down and so um, diminished and made to feel small. And that wasn't, that wasn't me. And um, so I was able to heal and become whole. So why are you sharing this with people? This is a, th- I mean, this is really tough stuff to share. I think God gives us a story um, for his glory and to help other people come to know him and to enter his kingdom. Um, I, I tell people, like, God doesn't make us comfortable. He makes us comfort able. He gives us a story so that we can understand other people and be able to help them. And so if it even touches one heart um, and brings them closer to Jesus and, and know that you're not being punished, no matter what you've done or thought or worked through and dealt with later, like that's, that's not a punishment from God. That is, you can use that to draw closer to him. Um, and if just one person can can feel that in their heart then sharing it is worth it to me it's for his glory and that's why i lived through it so that's why thanks hon isn't she awesome (laughs) so i'm going to close um uh, there's there's a verse that it's one of my life verses it's one that i go to all the time Um, i've got a tattoo of it on my arm um, it's Romans 8:28, 28. Um, and we know that in all things, God works everything for our good. Period. There, there is no, okay, you know, except for this or except for this or except for if you've been really bad. All things. It's not just the good stuff. It's the bad stuff too. We all have stories of pain in our lives. We all have stories of disappointment. We have stories of of loss. Um, But for those of us who know Jesus, for those of us who have accepted him as our savior, we also have a story of victory. We have a story that we can say, you know what? I was this and now I'm not. I was an alcoholic. Now I'm not. There are people who can say, I was addicted to drugs. Now I'm not. I was, (laughs) me personally, um, and because I can't use any stronger language than this on this stage, I was a jerk. Now you can just fill in whatever word you want to use there. Um, And some people say that I still am, but um, (laughs) I'm not the person I was before I met Jesus. Um, and one, one way I can prove it to you is that woman back there would not have married me before I met Jesus. So we all have those stories, and God's not waiting for you to clean yourself up. This right here, it says, for we are God's masterpiece. Now this is intended, this is written, this is said to believers. This is said to people who are Christians, people who have accepted Jesus as their Savior. We are God's masterpiece. It doesn't say you will be. 
It doesn't say that, you know, one day we'll get cleaned up enough and we'll be God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. The masterpiece was what happened when Jesus died on the cross and said, it is finished. The masterpiece was done at that point. The difference between a person who is not a Christian and a person who is, is that person who's not a Christian just hasn't become part of the masterpiece yet. They haven't accepted Jesus. But if you are a Christian, you're done. You're a masterpiece. You're righteous before God. It doesn't matter what you feel that day. It doesn't matter what happened that day. You stand in that forever because of what Jesus did. Nothing that you did. And that's one of the reasons that we can really believe it because it's not based on us. If we were in a cult and our salvation was based on works, how would we ever know we've done enough? That's where all of the other religions fall short. Jesus did it. We get to t accept it for free. I want to ask the band to come up. So like I said, the, the, the masterpiece is already finished. Um, our decision to accept Christ, our decision to accept his gift is what moves us into that masterpiece. So I want to... I want to give everyone an opportunity. If you, if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, um, or if you have and you, you feel yourself stuck in that sinner saved by grace spot where it's just, I just feel myself over and over again having to be reborn and reborn and reborn and recreated and, and get a do-over all the time. Um, if you feel that way, th this is an opportunity for you just to unburden yourself of that. To say that same prayer or with that same heart that you did the day that you accepted Christ. And although it doesn't change your situation as far as your salvation, it does change your perspective on what might be going on in your life. So, so no one feels left out, so no one feels like they're praying alone. I'd like for everyone to um, pray after me. Father God, I know that I am a sinner. And I know that I need you to save me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the blood you shed, the sacrifice you made, and the righteousness that you have given to me. I know you died for my sins. I know that you came back to life. And I know that through that gift, you have washed away my sins and you have given me eternal life. Cleanse me, justify me, and bring me into God's masterpiece. In Jesus' name, amen.